Welcome to the Toxic People Detox, a practical guide for finding peace in the midst of toxic people. It's not about changing them, it's about changing how you respond to them and doing so in a productive, healthy way. This is episode 49, Developing Mental Toughness. I'm happy to announce that after episode 50, I won't be going solo anymore. No more hiatuses, no more breaks, we're going straight into it. So I've got episode 49, then I've got episode 50, and then episode 51 is my first interview, and then we're just going to charge forward. Episode 51 will start season two, and these episodes will start airing on Mondays. What I want to focus on today, developing mental toughness. There are books and online courses written about mental toughness. So of course, I'm not going to be covering every single thing within 10 minutes. You can ask 10 different people the definition of mental toughness and you'll get 10 different answers. And of course, I have my own perspective on this and I'm just one voice amongst many. So that doesn't mean I have all the answers or that my view on this is (laughs) the final authority, right? It's just my point of view. There is a saying that no battle plan ever survives first contact. We can plan and we can muse. However, you really won't know how you respond until you get in that situation. But that doesn't mean you don't plan. I say still plan. That's a good thing. But it just means when you encounter a situation, you might need to tweak things a bit. It's one thing to listen to something on a podcast and say, hey, I like that. But it's another thing to take it and apply it to your life. I got really good at dealing with people through dealing with students. There are things that I would put up with my first year of teaching that I would never put up with now. And again, that just comes from having a plan and realizing, oh, that doesn't work. Let me tweak this. Okay, let me tweak that. And over time, I got better and better and better at dealing with conflict. Let's talk about two things that have helped me that I believe they can help you too. Number one is independent thinking. Mental toughness doesn't mean that you never bend and you never break. We're human beings. We all have a breaking point, right? For me, it's not about standing up in the midst of the great big bully. It's more about being flexible with whatever the situation throws at you. And that's something that I'm doing now that I didn't do my, in my previous job, I got run over. Basically. I learned how to stand up for myself a little too, too little too late. I was pretty much on my way out the door before I finally started to develop that, those assertiveness skills. But again, dealing with students on a daily basis, I practically, I, I wouldn't say I perfected it, but I'm so much better now than I was say 10 or 15 years ago. And so number one is independent thinking. A lot of that comes from my personality I was that, you remember that nerdy kid in the corner if, if you went to public school or private school, no one talked to? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> what a shock. I've been thinking a lot about those years. I just never was really part of the group. I love being by myself. I'm more of a lone wolf type. And I can tell you, I did not know how to play the social game back then. And to an extent, I still kind of don't. There's some things that, uh, you know what, do I really want to know? But back then, I just, didn't know what I was supposed to do. For example, when I was in Girl Scouts, I was about, I don't know, 10 or 11. And there were these group of girls that came up to me. And one of them came forward and said, Shayla, I can't believe you said those things about me. And I said, what things? 
I didn't know I was supposed to defend myself. I'm like, what do you mean? Well, why did I, what do you mean these things I said about you? What did I say about you? Blah, blah, blah. And then we were supposed to fight. That's, I guess that was what was supposed to happen. <laughs> but I didn't know that's what was supposed to happen. Instead, I kind of went off script. When she said, why did you say those things about me? Of course, my natural response was, what things? They, and then she said, you know, they told me, you know, I'm using air quotes. They told me that you said all these things about me. And my response was, who said that? Where did you get that from? And she said, that doesn't matter. I said, no, it does. Because it seems like you're ready to fight me based on what someone else has told you. I'm curious who told you I said these things. And I would not budge from that. I said, look, I'm not about to get into this with you unless you tell me where this is coming from. And I didn't realize what I was doing back then, but that diffused the situation because she refused to tell me who it was. I'm like, you're, we're about to have a fight over something someone else said, and I'm not even sure who you're talking about. And over the years, I realized that when it came down to drama, I really didn't participate in it. I guess because, like I said, <laughs> I didn't know the rules. I didn't know I was supposed to defend myself and fight back and, you know, and, and be a spectacle. For me, the logical thing was, who said that? Who told you that? And see, I got to the heart of the matter. Again, I didn't realize that's what I was doing back then. I came to realize that much, much later. But because of that, <laughs> what was so interesting, the kids didn't want to bother with me because I didn't play the game. I honestly didn't know how to play the game. And that worked, again, it worked to my advantage. And over the years, I developed my ability to think independently from the group because of that. Because I was wary of the group, I didn't know how to play the game. Like, why should I play this thing? It seems kind of tiresome. And I developed a perspective over the years where if something happened, I would ask, why is this happening? Where's this coming from? Where's the source? And of course, nowadays we call it fact checking. So I didn't know that's what I was doing. So being flexible means being able to stand back and think about what's going on, which leads me right into number two, and that's assess the situation. Ask questions. My students find out, very quickly that when they tell me any kind of story, regardless of whether it's true or not, because to me it's irrelevant whether they're telling the truth or not, believe it or not, it's, can you prove what you're saying is true? And I know there's some situations where you just can't prove it. Like the time I got sick, I couldn't prove that. I didn't go to the doctor. I stayed home, but I will ask questions. If I, I had two students, we got into an accident. I was like, okay, well, tell you what, as soon as the police report comes out, send it to me. And then I saw the look on their face. Like, oh, we weren't expecting that. And I don't just take these at face value. It could have been they were telling the truth. I take these on a case by case basis. Being able to think independently, ask questions and assess the situation helps you to develop what I consider to be the most important skill with dealing with toxic and difficult people. And that is to detach yourself. If there is one lesson I had to learn throughout all the episodes I've done, detachment is the number one thing I would point to. Now, some personality types, it's easier for them than the others. Like for me, one of my strengths is because I do tend to think on the logical side. I, I skew very heavily toward the thinking side, but therein lies the problem that I become disconnected with people's feelings. And I understand that that aspect of me has gotten me in trouble so many times where I might have said something careless or I was uh, I said something and it was hurtful and I didn't realize it was hurtful. And then there's sometimes I've said things that I knew exactly what I was saying. Like uh, there was this 
one time very quickly. It was, again, I was like 10 or 11, and I was a jerk to that girl. I said some terrible things to her, and I knew exactly what I was doing. So, no, I don't want to paint myself a victim every single time. I've done some things. I, and later on down the road, years later, I've had a, I met with her again, and I recognized her immediately. And I apologized. I said, look, the last time we met, I said some stupid stuff. <laughs> I was a jerk, and I'm sorry. And, yeah, that's my flaw. That's my character flaw. So on the one hand, I've got the logic part of it, but on the other hand, the feeling part is something that I've had to learn and I've gotten a lot better at it. Detachment means, or let me say this, uh, what detachment doesn't mean is that you don't have feelings, is that you don't care. That's not what it means. You do care. It's just you're able to anchor yourself in a sea of chaos. You remember that poem, if you can keep your head when those around you are losing theirs and blaming on you? If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. I can't believe I still remember that. I think I learned that when I was like in the sixth grade. Yeah, it's called if. Staying calm in a sea of chaos. Again, going back to that example when I was in Girl Scouts and I was surrounded by all these girls, I did not realize what I was doing at the time. So I would say the key to mental toughness is being able to think independently of other people. Being able to be flexible, being able to step out and do things, even if you stand alone. That's tough. It's tough to not conform. And again, someone with my personality type is easier for me because that's kind of where I skew. But someone who has a stronger feeling type, they're the ones that are more connected with their emotions. They're more connected with the emotions of others. They might, I say might, might have a harder time. But see, there's a trade-off there. People who are more feeling types can be more susceptible to attacks from toxic and difficult people. So there's a trade-off here. Because I skew heavily toward the thinking type, or I, I skew more heavily toward logic, it's like if you think of me as Spock, I guess. <laughs> like, that's not logical. Something like that comes easy for me. But when it comes time, it, when it comes to showing compassion... For me, that's a, it's, it's a lot more difficult because I don't connect easily to other people's feelings. And that's something that I've had to work on over the years. Let's just say I'm a toxic person and I see you and I, I see, you know, you have, you're very generous, you're very open, and that can make you a target. And this brings up another point that sometimes being tough is admitting our character flaws. Have you ever been around someone that just cannot admit that he or she is wrong, no matter how blatantly obvious it is? And it's just amazing <laughs> the mental gymnastics that are used to try to justify their position. And it's not pleasant being around someone like that. Thinking you know something is one thing, but knowing you're wrong, but still trudging forward on that dead end path, that's just, uh, okay, this conversation is over. So let me sum up what I said here today. When it comes to mental toughness, I can go on and on and on, use example after example after example. But what it comes down to is your ability to stay calm in the sea of chaos. And that requires you to think independently from the masses. It requires you to assess the situation because when you kind of take yourself out of the thick of things, it allows you to see things objectively. When it comes to our character, we have flaws and there's nothing wrong with acknowledging that you have them. Okay. As long as you breathe, the story isn't over. Change is possible if that's what you want. When I go back to my childhood, I think, yeah, there were some lot of there were a lot of lonely days. But looking back on it, it served to help me to be who I am today.
All right. So until next time, I wish you peace in the midst of toxic people. Take care.